Aleluia. 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 God is good. God's good. Praise the Lord. You can be seated tonight. Thank you for being, being here. Thank you to our praise team. We, that's, it's a little different tonight with everyone in here, but we're glad that everybody's able to be in for uh, this tonight. This month, I've tried to get as many of the guys in as I could uh, to preach uh, and, and bless us. And like I said before, it's not just so I can fill some time, but these guys actually have some great things to say. And I know that they need some time to express it and uh, to bless the congregation with it. So I, I do my best to make time for them, knowing that I still have to jump in here every once in a while. And so uh, I'm not, I, I used to wonder how Brother of Heart did it, and I still don't know. Uh, I remember at one time we had 12 ministers there in the church, and uh, many a Wednesday night there would be six of us or seven of us preaching on a Wednesday night, about five minutes each. But that was some of the, the greatest training and just great times because you can say a lot in five minutes, you know. Uh, and if you know what you're going to say, it don't take long to get to it and let it go. So uh, it, it really helped us, and uh, he, he, was a, he was good at, at opening up his pulpit to us and and I believe in these young men and young ladies that we have in this church that are doing something great for God. And we love to hear from them. And so tonight we have uh, three young men. Uh, Brother Frank Kitchens is going to lead us off tonight. So, brother, you'll come on, make your way up here tonight. Let's preach with him a little bit. How about it? Praise the Lord, church. Good to be in the house with you today. Such a high honor to be even up here, whether it's five minutes, 50 minutes, or two hours. I'm just so thankful that, you know, I would get an opportunity to, to worship God and praise Him as I know to do. I know a lot of great preachers, uh, but I believe that we have the best pastor in the world. And just for Him to even acknowledge me and, and be able to say anything, it's just, uh, it, it just makes me feel great. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do tonight. Let's go ahead and lift our hands and pray. Let's ask God to touch us in this word. Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would open us up, God. I pray that we would receive your word. God, I pray that in every word, God, that it would be flowed through you. Lord, I pray that you would impress upon my mind, God, what you have for your church. God, I pray that I will be a blessing, God, as this is a blessing to me. I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. We don't have to stand. i got one scripture to start off with. It's going to be 1 Peter 5 and 8. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, everyone in this place tonight has a personal adversary. Your adversary is not just any enemy, not just a, a person that attacks you or tries to get you. It, it's very plain and clear. Peter tells us that not only that we have an adversary, that it is the devil. Devil is our adversary. It says, The devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. In other words, he's looking for someone he can attack. He's looking for someone who is vulnerable and he is constantly seeking. The question is not if he's going to attack you. The question is when he's going to attack you. So my intention tonight is to help guide you give you some direction in spiritual warfare, and pray that God would be with us tonight. 
title of my message is The Lion Slayer. I was here early for Monday night prayer, and Brother Walden said, you know, come to my office, chit-chat, you're early. And I started looking around, telling him what I was going to be preaching about, and then I realized he's got a thousand lions in his office. (laughs) In every corner, he's got one. So if this is the last time I'm up here, I slayed the wrong lion. Any smart soldier knows to defeat the enemy, it would be wise to know who you are dealing with, to know who you are up against and what they are capable of doing. The Bible clearly lays out that the adversary is the devil. On his agenda is to blind humanity of the truth, to pervert people, to incorporate false doctrine, sowing tares among the wheat and attacking the saints. He wants to lay traps. He wants to tempt you. He wants to hurt you. He wants to deceive your heart tonight. His ultimate goal is to gain control of God's people. And that's what we're here to stop is not let the adversary gain control of God's people. Some names were given to him in the Bible showing that his corruptness, uh, the devil, accuser, ruler of demons, wicked one, the dragon, the ruler of darkness, the serpent, the tempter, the liar, and the father of all lies. Those are just a few names just to describe the wickedness of our adversary. He is the chief adversary of your soul. Peter describes him as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. It is believed that he is described as a lion due to the strength and the beastly nature to be a killing machine. A lion is the nature's strongest killing machine. A full-grown lion can stand four feet tall, weigh anywhere from 350 to 500 pounds, and it could be up to 10 feet long from head to tail. A lion can see clearly in the darkness. It can run up to 50 miles an hour. It can run a football field in a few seconds. It can jump on, kill, and drag a full-grown zebra or buffalo, and it can take it wherever it pleases. It can snap your bones in a matter of seconds. That's how powerful it is. And that's how Peter describes our adversary as a roaring lion. So I'm not here to talk about a physical lion tonight, as I'm not afraid of anyone in this room in danger of a physical lion attack. But I'm here to talk about the lion of spiritual warfare. And if, and if, if you're in this room tonight, you have either been a victim of spiritual warfare, you have been attacked by the lion, or you will be attacked by the lion. For the devil knows he has limited time and there's not much left. So he will try to do everything he can to get you. It is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I believe that if you're in this room tonight, you have either been under attack uh, in your mind or in your body, and some of you have fought the devil face-to-face, and more of you will in time, and I believe that. Because it's not going to happen. It, it, it's it's going to happen eventually, and we got to know what do we do when the adversary attacks. What do we do when he tries to take our family and he tries to take our health and our mind? In Hebrews 11, it says, They stopped the mouth of the lion. I believe, as they did in Hebrews, we want to do the same. They, as they did in the natural, I believe we want to do the same thing in the spiritual. We need to stop the mouth of the lion. Research shows that there are a few ways. If you find yourself being attacked by a lion, there are a few things that you need to do. The first thing is to stand your ground 
not turn around and you need to and you cannot run. You have to stand your ground. If you run from a lion, it's a natural instinct that you are weak and he will take you. The Bible describes this in Ephesians 6 as put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. First Corinthians says, tell us to, tells us to stand fast and in the faith and be strong. First, First Thessalonians says, therefore, brethren, stand fast that we live if we stand fast. When you go under a spiritual attack from the lion, if the lion is running at you, church, we got to stand our ground. We cannot turn. We cannot run away. We have to put on the whole armor of God. We do not need to turn or run. God did not make us a back plate of armor. God did not create us to retreat. We are, we are made to conquer. Bible says, nay, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You ought to stand your ground, refuse to run. The devil is waiting for you to turn. The devil is roaring at you, waiting for you to run. But you cannot. We were not created to run. We were created to fight, and we were created to win. You got you to gotta make up in your mind that I'm going to plant my feet into the ground, that I'm going to be determined, that I refuse to run, that I am persuaded that he cannot have my kids, he cannot have my family, he cannot have my church, he cannot have me, he cannot have my health. We got to be persuaded in the name of Jesus. The adversary cannot do anything with someone who refuses to quit. He cannot get someone who refuses to run away. God did not make a backplate of armor. If we do not turn, he cannot defeat us. You cannot show your back to the enemy. So we need to stand fast and God will step in. The number two thing they say to do if you find yourself in a lion attack is to open your mouth and show that you're not scared. Talk back to the lion. Now, in the real world, if a lion's running at you, I don't know what I would say, but it would be hard to get a word out. I truly believe I'm more scared of a natural lion than I am any adversary there is out there. So what does this mean in the spiritual, to talk back to the lion? In Matthew 4, Jesus was led into the wilderness and attacked by the lion for 40 days, and he was in 40 nights. When the lion opened his mouth, Jesus did not plead the blood. There is mercy in the blood, there is power in the blood, and there is forgiveness. And he did not just say, in Jesus' name, and let it be over with. But Jesus did exactly what he wants us to do, and we need to draw our sword and declare the word of God, what the word of God says. Every time the adversary opens his mouth to you, you need to open yours right back up to him and say, it is written. The armor of God is what keeps you safe and keeps you defensive. But to get rid of the attack, when you want to slay the lion, you got to pull out your sword and declare the word of God. I remember hearing as a little kid as I have many times that people think you know the adversary the devil he can't come into a church you know I've heard him say you know it feels so great as soon as I walk in the doors I know he 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 can't come in here and he stops at the doors I'll say I don't believe that to be true tonight They, they they think that he can't do that but if the devil can start war in heaven 
What makes you think that he won't try to come in your church and your home and try to mess you up? But when he does that, we need to do exactly what Jesus did. And we need to pull out our sword and we need to declare the word of God on him. The, we, we have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is more than just talking in tongues. The Bible says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. For greater is he that is in you than it's in the world. The, the, speaking in tongues, it's just the evidence. And, and that's all great and fine. But we need to pull out the word and apply it. So when the devil tries to come upon you and your house and your church, I want you to put on the whole armor of God. And I don't want you to just put on the armor of God. I want you to pull out your sword. I want you to use the Holy Ghost. A dormant Holy Ghost isn't doing you any good. We have a power and we have authority. We need to take dominion over the enemy. For it is written, devil, that you cannot have my family, that you must flee, that you must get out of here. We need to rise up in faith. We need to let God know that we're strong, that we're not going to turn. The God inside of you is stronger than any adversary. The God inside of you is stronger than anything that he can try to do to you. If we, we believe in oneness, we believe that Jesus Christ withheld the Godhead bodily fully. If we believe that, then we need to believe what else his word says, that he is in us. We don't need to be scared. We don't need to just call on the name of Jesus. We call on the name of Jesus when we apply the sword. When we're in spiritual warfare, he will do anything. But the devil knows he's defeated. He cannot have our family. He cannot have our church. But we have to declare that in the name of Jesus. We have to pull out our sword and we have to attack. The devil knows that he's out of time. The devil has read the back of the book. Spoiler alert, it doesn't end very good for him. But, but it's up to us today to stand fast and to pull out our sword. And when you're going under spiritual warfare, don't you, let that, don't you let the adversary make you turn. You stand strong and you face him. You pull out your sword and you defeat him. I want you to slay that lion. Don't be scared for the God in you is stronger than any lion, than any spiritual warfare that can come upon you. I want you to declare it in the name of Jesus. I want you to stomp on the devil. You don't need to be scared. He is under your feet. The Bible says you are the head and you are not the tail. We need to do what God did. We need to declare. We need to say what is written. We need to tell him, get thee hence, Satan. Jesus. He is under our feet and he knows it. The only difference is sometimes we don't know it. But if we know it, there's nothing that he can do. I'm done with my message, but I, I want to come today, today just to tell you that if you are under spiritual warfare, there's nothing that he can do to you as long as you know it. Brother Wendell, I don't remember the title, but if, whenever we figure it out, whatever, whatever his title was, that is the truth. Whenever we figure it out, the devil already knows it. He probably knows more in this book than I do, but, but he don't have what I have. He can't get what I got. We have this. We can use this word, and that's what we need to do. We need to stand fast, pull out our sword, and we need to slay the lion in Jesus' name. Fight that line. You leave my lines alone. <laughs> good word. Good word. Appreciate this young man right here. And uh, he's been here a long time. I can't hardly remember us having REC without him. So we're glad he's here tonight. I believe he's going to bless us. Let's, let's preach with Brother JT tonight.
Praise the Lord, church. Man, how can I follow up behind Frank on that one? That was real good, my friend. But I appreciate it, honestly, because leading up to this, I'm always nervous when I hold a microphone. I can talk to anybody all day long, but I can't when I get a microphone. But faith to, or um, the ability to slay a lion that says doubt, or you have to have doubt, you can't do it, you can't do it. Faith that says fear, cast it out. I appreciate it greatly. In Ephesians 3 and 20, it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, When I get home from work, I go home, turn on my lights, turn on my alarm so that I can get up and go to work the next, or get up since I work third shift and get up and enjoy my day until I have to go to work. Um, Whenever I turn on my lights, I don't walk in with my flashlight and say, Turn the flash or turn the lights on, and then say, "I'm going to keep my flashlight on because I don't know if my lights will come on." I turn my alarm on, but I keep I keep one eye open because I don't know whether or not my alarm will turn on and will wake me up. Or in my case, I set three alarms, and one of them will wake me up at some point. It's usually the last one, unfortunately. Yet, when I get to church and I pray, I have that doubt and that but in my system. My title of my message is Faith, comma, but. See, we come to church and we say, God, I pray that you would reach down and touch those with cancer. I pray that you would touch those that are sick in their body. But Lord, if it doesn't happen, it wasn't your will today. We've become accustomed to trusting the lights and the electricity in our homes and our churches more than we trust the power of God. When we get into the church, we just have this but in our system. But God... It's cancer. But God, it's, it's suicides. God, it's depression. It's anxiety. It's, it's, it's things that we can't control. But faith. In Mark 16 and 17 and 18, it says, And these, sh- these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they might recover. They, they could possibly recover. No, they shall recover. That's not saying that 
walk over to Brother Paul or Brother Josh and say, God, I pray that you would touch them. But if you don't, it just wasn't your will today. That's saying, in the name of Jesus, I curse sickness. I curse cancer. I rebuke it. It cannot stay. It has no power. It has no authority. It has to leave. And in the name of Jesus, be set free and loose from this sickness. It is saying without a shadow of doubt that when we flip that switch on in faith, knowing that God's going to heal. At NAYC, those of us that were able to make it, Brother Cunningham prayed faith down and a thousand people received the Holy Ghost in one service. The amount of power and faith that was in that room. You, you, could, you, could, you could cut the tension with a knife. Then prayed for people to be healed of their infirmities. And there was this amazing wind that went through the, the, the uh, stadium there. And thousands received healings in their bodies and deliverances and things. There was one that I remember I had to read about it later on. Of While we were in there, Brother Cunningham had to quiet down, quiet down, quiet down everybody. He said it three times. And still there was someone just going in the spirit, just screaming and hollering. And we started wondering what was going on, what was going on. Come to find out later, the reason that that person was screaming and hollering and carrying on was because she walked in deaf. And when she heard around her people speaking in unknown tongues and speaking other things, she didn't know what to do but to scream. It, it just terrified her. It shocked her. It astonished her. But that's NAYC. Sometimes they happen at, it happens at conferences, right? The amount of faith that lifts up in like AYC or Winter Youth, Winter Youth Conference and things like that. The amount of faith in that area can be, can be in this church. It's not like we go to NYC and we get the healings and all the blessings for the next year and a half. We get that power and that faith to build up so that we can then come home and release that in this sanctuary. In Mark 11, 23 and 24, it says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he, hath, which he saith shall come to pass. He shall, set, shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. In Mark, 20, or in Mark 11, 23... I'm not saying that Jesus is going to say to us, go to Stone Mountain and say, I don't like you. Go, 
go somewhere else. Go bury yourself back in. Goodness, there's... I'm going to stay away from that one. <laughs> um, but instead, he's saying to those mountains of cancer and anxiety, depression, suicide, all the things that we face that we say, that, that's, that's the big one. That's, that's the one that takes you out. That's the one that causes you to, I, 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 it can't be done. It, it, I mean, God, it, it's, it's one of those big ones. It's, I, I don't know how to wrap my mind around cancer, oh God. But, faith. You can literally cast those down with that faith. You can say, cancer has to leave. You can say, depression leave. There's no place for you. You can say to the anxiety, you, you, you don't have any place in my mind. You don't have authority there. That's, that's my kings. That's my, that my saviors. That's the God of all creations dwelling inside of me. That's, that's Jesus' spot. You can say to suicide, I have, a, I have a reason to be on this planet. I have a reason there's a call on my life. There's a reason for me to do these things. In Acts 1 and 8, it says, But you shall receive power after that of which the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses both or unto me, both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And I'm closing with this. Shame on us if we should believe in the electricity in this room more than we believe in the power in the name of Jesus. Shame on us if we should believe in the things on our phones or the things on our, in our homes that say, I'll, I'll get you up. I'll, I'll make sure that everything's okay when we've got the great physician the great comforter. We've got God in us, Emmanuel. Shame on us if we have this doubt in our hearts in the God that can do all things and all things are possible unto Him. Shame on us if we can't get past ourselves. We don't flip a light switch on in the house and again light a candle knowing oh, the power could turn off at any moment. But we come into the house and say, God, reach down and touch, move in this service, have your way and do all things accordingly. And then say, but if you don't, it's going to be a good service. Why can't that faith and knowing the lights will come on and the alarms will go off be the same faith that heals and delivers and sets free. Where's that faith? Where's that faith in the things of this natural life that we experience day to day that isn't on the most high, that isn't on the ability and the authority in that name?
Where is our faith? Is it in the things of this earth and the things of this world? Or is it, is it in the things of God? Let's, let's lift our hands together for just a moment. Ask God to increase our faith. One man said, Lord, help my unbelief. So let's, Lord, increase my faith tonight. Lord, let me trust you in all things. Hallelujah. These, these messages are just holding hands tonight. They're joined together. It's, it's doing good. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord, let faith sweep through this building tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Some people think faith is unfailable, but it's not. Because Jesus told Peter, he said, I'm going to pray for you that your faith fail not. I don't want my faith to fail when I need it most. I want it to be there. And, and I, I want to see the miracles of God. Good word, Brother JT. Brother Christopher Guy. Come on now. I have no idea what he will open with. I'm sure it will be unique. We love you, brother. Come on. Unique's definitely the word. For it. I appreciate you, Pastor. Candy, Jake, Annabeth. Appreciate y'all's ministry. I appreciate you, church. Love y'all. I'm going to start off with uh, two scriptures. Uh, Matthew 7. Well, well, first off, before I even do that, man, how, how am I supposed to even follow up those things? I, I thought I was going to go first, and everyone had to follow up, but now i got to follow up Frank and JT? Wow, okay. We'll see. All right. Well, there's good. All right. Matthew 7, verses uh, 24 through 27. Twenty-four through twenty-seven. All right. So, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, for it was not founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And one more scripture in um, Joshua twenty four fifteen. Y'all probably might not even have to turn to it. This is probably the most quoted verse in Joshua. 
And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm going to preach to y'all about a house that serves the Lord. So, there are not just these scriptures, but there's um, a few others in the Bible that liken us to houses. There's one that says that we're built up a spiritual house. There's another scripture that says that we're the temple of God. (laughs) So in these contexts, our lives are houses. And if we're supposed to be a house that serves the Lord, we need to be careful how and where we build our lives, what we build our lives upon. Are we going to be built up as lion slayers? Are we going to be built up in faith? Is our house going to look like a place where people can say Jesus lives there? Is our... now, now, this isn't to say that you have to get your, right, your life right before God can come to you. No, but you, you can come to God as you are. But if we're going to serve him, we need to furnish our houses in a way that's pleasing to him, in a way that serves him. Is our house prepared for him? Now, first off, it doesn't matter how big, how nice, how fancy your house is. If the grass is uh, super long, the yard is just a mess, people, it's, it's, it's just going to look, it's just going to be an eyesore. It doesn't matter how nice the house is, if the yard's all messed up, if the grass is long, uh, now, I know this scripture is talking about our frailty and all that. Uh, in Isaiah 40, verses 6 through 8, and, I'm, and also this script, same scripture is later quoted in uh, 1 Peter 1 and 24, but I'm going to read it from Isaiah. It says, a voice said, cry, and he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And the goodliness thereof is as a flower of the field. The grass withereth and the flower fadeth because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. Uh, now, the thing about grass is like if, to keep a, your house maintained, you've got to keep the grass cut. You have to keep the grass short. It has to be constantly maintained. If we're going to be a house that serves the Lord, our flesh has to constantly be maintained. We need to be in a constant walk to follow Him. Yes. People. <clears throat> yes. We can't. Now, uh. Now, it would it'd be nice if uh, after we get born again and stuff, we don't have to worry about our flesh anymore. But that's not, that's not uh, the case. He, he says in one place, I die daily. It's a daily commitment to keep this grass short, to keep our flesh under control. It's a daily chore. It's a daily. Now, some people, they might cut their grass daily. <laughs> that's, they can have that. But our, our flesh needs to constantly, we need to constantly 
keep it under control. You want to know what makes grass grow fast? Fertilizer. Manure. Stinky stuff. If the more things that we try to stay around the dirty things of this world, the more we're just going to feed our flesh. Come on. The more time we spend in this world, it's just going to feed our flesh. It's not going to be a place, a dwelling place for God. It's just going to feed our flesh. We can't just keep feeding our flesh. We got to keep it under control. We got to keep it maintained. We can't make room for it. Now, I'm just going to be honest as, as it gets closer to the drawing of the Lord. It's going to be easier for dirty things to, to try to make our grass grow. It's, it's going to be easier to sin as the day of the Lord draws near. The things, the, the limited amount of entertainment that we can already watch is going to just get even more limited. The things that they're going to allow on TV, on movies and things, the things that stay in the bars and clubs, they're not going to stay in the bars and clubs too much longer. The things, the things that uh, offend uh, one generation is not going to offend the next one. Uh, we got to be careful. We got to be careful, saints. But, uh, I mean, in, we, sometimes, like, we might uh, even use that as an excuse to try to justify our mess. Because, say, well, it was just so easy. How easy it was. Well, I mean, that's just scripture. In Second uh, Timothy uh, 3... 13, it says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Seducers don't have to be a person, but just anything that can influence you in a negative way. It's going to get worse. It's going to get easier to sin. But even though this scripture is true, it doesn't make 1 Corinthians 10, 13 untrue. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is as common to man, but God is is faithful no matter how easy it's going to be it says he will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it <laughs> uh, it it happened um in uh, with lot he messed up and he decided to dwell and make his home in Sodom and Gomorrah, he messed up, but yet, in a, yet he's called just. If you read in Second Peter two and six, I'm going to read to nine. Said in turning the so- uh, cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with the overthrow, making them an example unto those that should live ungodly, and delivered just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. Now, why, why even though that Lot did that, why, even though he dwelt with all those people, why was he just? It's because he was vexed by these things. I want to I ask you, church, are we vexed 
with the things that are around us now. I know we can't, we can't help the th- things that are going on th- in this world. It didn't say he was numb to it. It didn't say that he just tolerated it. It said he was vexed by it. But because he was vexed, God made a way for him out of it. It's possible for us to keep our grass under control. It's possible for these things to not get control of us. <clears throat> you want to know what, uh, gr- what makes us living in tall grass? Serpents and lions. Ooh. We are made to be lion slayers, but if you get rid of the tall grass, they don't, you don't even have a place to dwell. Woo! Come on. Got to get rid of it. People are wanting to seek after God, but they're leaving their flesh open for a place to Him to dwell. It can't happen. It's got to go. We got to keep it under control. Got to get rid of it. It was a man... Numbers, Balaam. I've heard the you've heard the story of Balaam, uh, how they he was hired out to curse Israel, and every time they would try to get him to curse Israel, he said, "Whatever God says, whatever God says, that's what I want." He sought after the word of God, but he also sought after loopholes around it. There's no loopholes for the word of God. He tried to seek a way around it. He tried to find a way around it. He, even though God uh, told him, don't curse Israel, he still kept trying to find a way. I want to ask you, church, are we looking for opportunities to sin? Oh. Are we looking for we're trying to make room for God, but yet we're leaving opportunities open. Leaving the grass long. It can't happen. But yeah, he, he, he tried to make, Balaam tried to make his house open to two masters. And you know, we can't serve two masters. It says in Matthew 6, 24, it says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will tolerate the one, either he will be numb to the one. No, it says either he will hate the one and love the other. If God is our master and we love him, we're supposed to hate the other. I'm I'm asking you, if you love God, do you hate what he hates? Do you hate sin? Do you hate the things... I try to or displeasing to him. Come on. But he does he does make it possible for us to keep our grass short, for to for us to keep our flesh under control. There's uh, many scriptures that refer to us as sheep in the Lord's pasture. If you uh you ever go by, if you ever pass by a field that's got sheep in it, the grass ain't long. Grass is kept short, not just because they're in the right pasture, but because the sheep keep it short. If we want to keep our flesh under control, it's, it's not just being where God wants you to be, but you need to be where the sheep are. You need to be where your fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord are. If you want your flesh to stay under control, you need people to encourage you. You need a church that'll be with you, church with brothers and sisters, with iron that sharpeneth iron. You need to be where the sheep are. You can't... 
It is possible to keep it maintained. It's possible to keep it under control. It's possible for us to keep to get, let our house be furnished the way Jesus wants it to. If I want if I want my house to be furnished, be I want it to be the way Jesus would furnish it. Let's see how Jesus would furnish the house. <laughs> Matthew twenty one, starting in verse twelve, said, and Jesus went to the temple of God. And cast out all of them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now, it says that these people were just buying and selling, but yet Jesus called them thieves. They weren't, it wasn't recorded that anyone was stealing, but they were stealing places for people to pray. They were taking up opportunities for people to pray. They were, their tables and their cages with animals in them were taking the place where people's knees should have been. We can't let things steal our time of prayer. We can't let things steal, we can't let hobbies and things of this world keep our knees from the floor. We can't, we can't let furniture or hobbies, I'm not saying sometimes, you know, it's, it's fine to have hobbies, that's, that's fine, but we can't let it keep us from prayer. If we can't let the furniture keep our knees from the floor, if, if the furniture, if place in our lives, if the place in the house doesn't become a place for our knees, it can become a hiding place for idols, Oh, like when when Rachel took Laban's idols, she hid them in the furniture. She hid. If you if we're not taking our time to pray, it can become an idol. It can become idolatry. It can be. We can let things take control of our lives. It can't happen. And it might it might not those those idols might not have even affected Rachel but it was still an opportunity for someone else <clears throat> to be to be um, to mess to be messed up uh there's a if you read in the kings uh the books of the kings first kings second kings and chronicles and all their scriptures where it says this king was righteous this king was wicked and so so and it says that some kings they destroyed idols and they destroyed high places. It says some, some kings, they kept the high places but destroyed the idols. And if y'all don't know what high places are, they're these, they're these literal man-made high places that people would use for idol worship. All it was missing was an idol. And if you read in these things that most of the time when even if there was a righteous king that got rid of the idol, if they left the high place, their children would fall into it. Oh, it would just be an opportunity for them. I'm not a, I'm not a parent, but I just, I just know good, good and well that we just can't, even if things don't bother us, we can't leave opportunities open for our kids. We can't leave opportunities open for future generations. We need to be willing to furnish our house in a way that pleases him. 
I'm closing in uh, Numbers 25. And verses 6, uh, now Balaam, which we were talking about earlier, since he couldn't curse Israel in one way, he decided to uh, get Israel to, um, he, he decided to uh, send a bunch of ladies to Israel and try to get God to curse him himself. And Balaam was just trying to find a loophole. Balaam, he was just trying to find a way. And it said in verse 6, and behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And when Phinehas, the son of Elijah, the son of Aaron, the priest saw, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. Phineas was willing to kill what didn't belong in the house. Are we, are we willing to kill what doesn't belong in our house? Are we willing to drive out what's keeping us from being a house that serves the Lord? He's like, the, the world might have these things going on, but not in my house. The world is going to do whatever they want to. The world is just going to serve whatever they want to, but not in my house. We're going to be a house that serves the Lord. We're going to be a house that serves God. And God bless, it says that God blessed him for this. In, uh, in verse 12, uh, God saying to him, Behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace. And he shall have it and his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made an atonement for the children of Israel. If we make room for Jesus, if we furnish our house, he'll furnish the blessings that we need. He'll furnish the promises. He'll furnish the miraculous in our lives. We just need to be, keep this house maintained. We need to be a house that's consecrated. We need to be a house that serves the Lord. Thank you. Ooh, that'll make a preacher want to preach. <laughs> mm. Well. If you couldn't see how all three of those just those three messages just held hands all all of it it was I could see the 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 value and importance and the the meaning of the word in each one of them the sword of the spirit the word of God faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word and they that hear the word and obey the word is just over and over just that that theme so let's Let's come down and pray tonight. Let's get our houses in order. Might be time to cut the grass. Come on, might be time to repair them shutters. Might be time to fix those locks on the door to keep some things out. Hallelujah. Come on and pray for, for a minute. Take some time and pray. These young men did a tremendous job. Fed us with the word tonight. Let it touch your life. Receive it tonight, what they said.
Burn out, make me a house of prayer. 